I'm at home in Sydney. I'm in, I'm looking out my back garden, which is lovely. I do, I wasn't sure if this would be um, visual. So I have a nice top on um, and I have my pyjama bottoms on. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Katrina Blowers, and you're listening to Claiming Your Confidence, conversations where we pull back the curtain on what it takes to live your most confident life. I'm a journalist and TV newsreader, and of all the people I've interviewed over the years, I can tell you confidence isn't something any one of them was born with. So what separates those who refuse to let that self-doubt hold them back? Let's find out. I think hypnosis still has kind of a magical air to it, but Claire Aristides has made it part of her life's work to get it into the mainstream, and she's really passionate about using it as a tool to help people with their confidence and for overcoming imposter syndrome. So when we don't feel worthy or we don't love ourselves, then we might, you know, smoke, overeat, drink too much. Claire has used hypnosis to overcome fertility issues for business goals and even to help with her daughter's heart surgeries. And she shares a fascinating visualisation technique we can borrow from Elvis. The performer Elvis used that technique as a a mindset technique. There are so many great tips in this episode. So here is Claire Aristides on claiming her confidence. You have an absolutely fascinating background. You are a clinical hypnotherapist amongst many other things, including a jewellery designer. But I would love you to tell the story uh, that kind of got you on this path to begin with about your dad and a guy called Ray. (laughs) Yeah, so it's, I know my history, um, my relationship with hypnotherapy goes back um, almost 20 years ago. So when uh, when my my father was 67, 66, and he um, developed lung cancer, and it, and it was really um, bad case of lung cancer. Um, not, I'm not sure. Not, there's no good case of lung cancer, but um, but they were very they weren't very optimistic, and they said to my dad, the first oncologist said, "There's no point in chemo," but he did find a second oncologist to do chemo. But the big the big thing that happened was a friend that he'd been playing golf with who he'd known for years, who was called Ray, and, and Ray said, now, Tony, you won't know this about me, but I'm, I'm a trained hypnotherapist. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist. I used to work on the naval ships. Uh, so he was originally from England. Um, and he story goes that he did work with the CIA, um, which was fasc- fascinating. But he said, come over to my house on a Thursday, Tony, and we're going to work on this cancer. And what they did is they worked on firstly calming my dad down because when you're given, you know, news like that, that he, he was given three months tops to live. So that that's, you know, overwhelming on its own. But they started to do these really interesting um, sessions together where they first of all paused, um, the, they imagined that the size of the tumour just staying st- still and not growing, so stagnant size. And then he worked on dad actually um mentally seeing that tumours reduce in size. And it's, um, he did do chemotherapy, so in, in no 
um, way, shape or form am I suggesting ever not to do any chemotherapy or any traditional medicines. But what the hypnotherapy did was it just sort of seemed to give him this different mindset that he could face this the biggest challenge of his life. And, and it gave him something practical to do and, and he tapped into this mind-body connection through uh, visualisation and uh, he, he lived another two years. And what's really weird is it's like he stopped believing in what was happening and so, so we, uh, two years later, Dad was still alive and then he started, I, I feel like in hindsight he really started to doubt what was going on and he died three months later. Mm. So he did sort of die to the, to the original diagnosis, but had another two years. So then I um, built a relationship and a friendship with Ray. Um, and I, and I started to, um, I would see Ray regularly and I, and I asked him all these questions about hypnotherapy and, uh, he gave me a whole lot of books and I did a lot of reading at the time I'd been living in the UK. So I went back to the UK and it stayed with me. And then, uh, fast forward, a number of years and I was burnt out, stressed out. I was doing IVF and that wasn't working. And, and I'd actually was so stressed. I'm pretty sure that brought on um, Hashimoto's disease, which is a thyroid autoimmune disease. So I found a clinical hypnotherapist and I saw her for 12 um, months and I still see her. And I we worked on just changing my relationship with stress, train, changing my self-talk, changing my relationship with my business because it'd been all consuming and, and sort of really defined me in an unhealthy way. Um, and then I just, I don't know, I, I think I said one day to my husband, I had my child and, and she had heart problems. So you're getting the whole long story. She had a heart, congenital heart um, defect, so she needed two heart surgeries um but I went back well after she was okay and everything was fine I, tr I trained and I um with a uh, here in Sydney to be a clinical hypnotherapist oh my gosh so that's that is an extraordinary story and you certainly have been through a lot of emotional ups and downs there for people who don't know what is hypnotherapy so hypnotherapy is actually um it's uh, well, first of all, let's start with hypnosis or a hypnotic trance. So most of us have been in a, if you've ever watched your favourite, like The Crown, if, I'm not sure if you're into what's your favourite um, TV oh, show? yeah, The, the Crown. Crown. Absolutely loving that right now. Yeah, so you're completely lost in watching that. You're zoned out. Uh, you've forgotten about what you have to do for the t tomorrow. You've forgotten about what the kids need, what you have to make for dinner or whatever. You've quieted your conscious mind, which is our busy thinking mind, uh, and you're just lost in, in, in the moment of the show. That is a form of hypnosis. So it's focused on something your um, other stimulus, you know, stimulus is blocked out as you're just focused on that one point, which, say, is the show. Um, but in hypnotherapy, when we are in that state and we quiet, quieten the busy, anxious, uh, thousand thoughts of, you know, a, a minute mind, we can make powerful suggestions to our unconscious mind. So is it kind of like getting into a meditative state but with an intention? to do something yeah. while you're in that state. Yeah. 
So as, as a hypnotherapist, do you agree the goal with your um, client and patient about what, what they want to work on? And then, you're, yeah, you're making the suggestions and intentions to the, to the individual. And a lot of hypnotherapy is storytelling and metaphors. So you may not directly state what the change is, but you do it through a, through a story or a, um, uh, a metaphor and that the individual works it, works it out for themselves in the unconscious mind. So it's, it is meditative. It is, there's, that's a similarity. And what I, I'm not a big meditator. Um, I always struggled doing meditation. Why I like hypnotherapy is why I'm more drawn to it is that there is that goal. So I, I am in the relaxed, calm state which is what the goal of meditation is as well. But at the same time, I kind of work on issues for myself or letting go of, of habits as well. Like hypnotherapy is powerful letting, for letting go of those or rewriting those habitual negative habits for yourself about, you know, I don't know, self-sabotage or always time management, always being late. When, you know, rationally, you know, if you're late, all the consequences for, for things or, you, do you know what I mean? Like change, changing things at a deep level that just seem to be the way you are. Um, hypnotherapy is powerful for, for changing that and, and rewriting those um, thoughts about ourselves um, at, at a deep level. That made me laugh because anyone who knows me who's listening to this right now, uh, I am renowned for being late. I'm not like really, really late, but I'm habitually 10, 15 minutes late, which I know, I know is rude. Okay. And I know that it's disrespecting other people's time, but I think what I tend to do is I overestimate how much I can get done. And I'm always like pushing it out to the very last minute. So just using that example of being late and say, I decide, you know, with New Year's resolutions is usually a time when people want to make a change in their life. Say that I set that as my goal for 2021. How could I use hypnotherapy as a tool to not be a chronic late person? Well, the first thing you, I mean, through, you would do self-hypnosis. Um, if you if you saw a hypnotherapist, you um, there's two things you could do. You see, see a hypnotherapist, and what they would work on is um, is what what it, well you, you sort of dig deep on what is the gain for you being late, and the gain is you're doing extra work, and 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 the time management is. Um, you know, you haven't you haven't quite got the time management right for yourself. So it's changing that sort of script that I'm always throwing in a few extra jobs before I have to start getting ready, which means then I'm the 10, 15 minutes late. And it's starting, it's also tied into, you know, stress and, and anxiety of giving yourself, yourself too many tasks so that in the end you are late for, for the event or the um, so sort of slowing down and 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 telling the, the the unconscious mind I can plan my day oh. and I can set realistic tasks for myself. Um, but in terms of self hypnosis, it, it could be something like actually seeing yourself arriving on time, seeing yourself, um, and then going back through the steps on well that would mean I actually it takes me half an hour to get there then I actually have to leave home 
at half an hour. You know, all those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. Time management's an interesting one for, for a lot of people because it's tied into performance, it's tied into maybe setting unrealistic goals for yourself, which sets you up for stress, um, and, you know, planning and, and, and things like that. So the, off, the other thing often when someone comes to see you is it's not really the first thing they come to see you about. Um, there's often, a, you know, bigger things underneath it. Uh, so that's always interesting. Um, so, but but I, I I just love that there's 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 that second gain of working on yourself, and not that that means that you, you always have to be working on yourself and um, not accepting yourself for who you are. But it is nice to work on areas that might cause you stress. Now, what have you seen the potential for hypnotherapy in, in, I guess, your own life and the lives of others? Are there particular fields and particular people that you love working with and on? So I decided to, um, when I trained, to combine my skill set with business because I am, uh, so I have the jewellery, um, my jewellery business. So I am, like, I'm, I, I'm quite proud to be entrepreneurial and, and business um, uh, focused, but I'm also super proud of, of um, being a mum and, and, and looking after my children. So a couple of things have, I mean, when my daughter had the heart surgeries, I was weekly seeing my clinical hypnotherapist to cope with the fear of what the unknown. Um, and we did some, some techniques to help me see uh, that she still connected to me because she was at the time she was still um, in 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 my tummy, so that I could I don't know it's 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 hard to express but still communicate with her um, and we we did some I mean this is this is possibly a bit out there for a lot of people but we worked on seeing her heart as um, a brick wall she had a hole in the heart she had four issues and one of them was a hole in the heart and we worked on visualizing that I could patch up and put these little bricks in the hole in the that was her heart wall. And it was really, for me, purpose-driven because it was like, right, I can help because you feel really helpless when your child's sick. So for me, it gave me a purpose. And spooky, you know, spooky things happened two weeks before she was born. The cardiologist said, look, the hole's not as big as I thought. You know, that for me was like, great, you know, I'm doing something productive and, um, um, but keeping myself sane at the same time, I use the hypnotherapy. My son um, has a little bit of anxiety and, and ha- had some sleep problems, so I've used the hypnotherapy with him to calm his nerves down and use visualisation because kids love um, stories and they love visual um, representations of things. So we work, we see his anxiety or his worry um, changing from dark clouds into beautiful butterflies and and he's got a sense of controlling his emotions and being a bit more in charge of them rather than feeling overwhelmed by them. Um, a lot of a lot of people come and see me, and, and that's why I created the app about confidence and self belief, and and really stress and confidence and self belief are kind of intertwined. Um, so when we feel when we don't feel worthy or we don't um, love ourselves then we might you know smoke overeat drink too much 
uh, you know, what can be classified as stress stresses um, or stress release. So stress and confidence are kind of like a cycle, circle, a feedback of each other. So if you can calm yourself down, you're less likely to grab, say, the chocolate biscuits. And so it's it's an it's, so people either come for stress or confidence, and the two are are um, biofeedback to each other. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's so fascinating. Yeah. What would you say? I know that you do a lot of work with people about imposter syndrome, and I find that so fascinating because. You know, having um, through my job as a journalist, having been able to interview lots of people who are in either positions of authority or they've um, from the outside looking in, they they seem to have um, had huge success in their life, and it always. I, I don't know why, because I've spoken to enough people who deal with imposter syndrome. Now it shouldn't surprise me, but it still does because you think, gosh. From you know everyone else's perspective, you seem to have it all together, and you've kind of climbed the mountain. Yet you still have that lack of belief that you are worthy or deserving of that. Um, talk to us about your experience of imposter syndrome with the people you work with. So imposter syndrome is really, really fascinating because um, obviously there's Dr. Valerie Young, who's the leading expert on it. She said there's five five types of profiles. Um, so it, it can it really be different for, for, so my imposter syndrome will be different to your imposter, imposter syndrome. So that's interesting that it's, it's unique to you. I think a bit of imposter syndrome can drive you because if you're too like, I'm, I'm amazing, you know, how incredible am I, you, you might lose a bit of the hunger and the pushing yourself. So a little bit of imposter syndrome, I think, is good for humility to use it to drive you and push you and not get necessarily complacent, Um, particularly for people who are hugely driven, like, you know, huge stars, that their ego um, or frailty of ego can be a real driver for their success. So I think it's about changing the relationship with your imposter syndrome, seeing it as a tool. So trying to detach from the negative uh, self-talk and the harsh, nasty voice that can come sometimes with imposter syndrome. So that really critical pulling you down voice and seeing it as what is this trying to tell me? This is trying to tell me, be careful in this new job role. Um, maybe you need to practice more. Maybe you need to pres- um, you know, practice your presentation or maybe you need to learn a little bit more. So try and look for the positive from the imposter syndrome and then changing the relationship, particularly with the negative, the negative voice and, and doing, I mean, you can journal and write down actually. So when I'm self-doubting or when I didn't get the job and it's because really I'm no good, Actually, when you sit down and then go, well, I did get this and I did get that job and I got that and I got this, do you know what I mean? But we, as human beings, we're, we're naturally drawn to the negative about ourselves. So it's it's having tools and techniques in place to get you, to move you from that, that mindset of, you know, for example, one of the imposter syndrome profiles is the perfectionist. So, and I, I, this, I really relate to this. So if it's not perfect, you don't start or you stop because you think, oh, it's not good enough. Um, but when you look back on successful people, they, they give it a go. 
and it mightn't be perfect, but they keep going and going and going. And and this is resilience. It, they pick themselves up, get back on the horse and keep going. So I think it's great for everyone to talk about how much imposter syndrome exists because then it makes it normal and, and acceptable and you're not abnormal for, for it seizing you and taking control of you at times, but building a different relationship with it and, and then having mindset techniques for yourself to get you out of that negative headspace and that dragging you down um, voice that is hold, might, might be holding you back. I love these archetypes that you, um, you've you got them on your Instagram, which I'll put a link to in the show notes if anyone wants to go through and have a look at them. And it's, as you say, it's so fascinating to kind of pick which one you are. You may move between the five. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? You know, I don't think you – Valerie is suggesting also, yeah, that Dr. Valerie Young, that you're not necessarily one all the time. You could move between them depending on, on the situation, um, and, but you could have a tendency for one more than the other. That's probably true because I'm looking at one, the expert, where you judge your worth by how much you know, you feel you are not smart enough and fear being exposed as unknowledgeable. And that reminds me of a um, study that Hewlett-Packard did where they were looking at why there weren't enough female executives and they found that men apply for those executive roles when they are 60% qualified and women feel like they have to be 100% qualified Mm. Um, which is so fascinating. And the other one in there is the soloist, where you uh, feel you need to do everything yourself and if you ask for help, you feel incompetent. And I know a lot of women, um, I think women of this generation are better at that, but our mums, they would do everything around the house and they wouldn't let anyone touch anything <laughs> because um, they felt that their way was the right way. Yeah, and 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 really, if you're going to be a business leader or a, any kind of leader, you actually have to delegate. You have to get people around you who are skilled in whatever. So, and and that that um, could be not necessarily in business in 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 putting together something with your children or a lesson for your children. If if you're going to lead or create groups then you can't do it all. We did a little poll and the expert and the soloist came up as, as the two prominent. The expert feeling, as you say, like she, she won't go for the job because she's got that one thing that they need where she's got all, you know, one out of ten she, she doesn't have on her CV but she's got all the other nine where the man will have six out of ten and goes for the job. Mm. So in many females' minds it's, it could be, well, I don't have that one thing. I'm going to get exposed because I need to have all 10 out of 10. And you don't, you don't, you know, it's pushing yourself out there. Um, and I agree, the younger generation of females do push themselves out there more, um, which is really great to see. You're listening to Claiming Your Confidence with hypnotherapist Claire Aristides and me, Katrina Blowers. Stick with us because Claire is about to share the 1,000 steps technique used by Elvis Presley. So how would we use then hypnotherapy as a tool to help overcome imposter syndrome? So hypnotherapy you could use to really let go of, I mean, the, the 
the sort of underneath the imposter syndrome is fear of failure, uh, fear of being kind of exposed or seen as not good enough. Uh, so it's really working on the confidence and that even though I may not know everything, that's okay and I can I can push myself forward. Even though I may make, mistake, make mistakes, I still love and accept myself and I still push myself forward. So it's changing the the at an unconscious level, that level of self-belief that no one knows everything and no one can ever be perfect. So don't let that hold you back. Um, and also visualisation, sort of seeing the imposter syndrome. Um, I've got on the app actually an inner critic to inner friend journal and the session is about seeing the inner critic as a persona um, and, and making it a character and then changing, hanging up the phone, the inner critic, and then picking up the phone to the inner friend and saying, so sort of visualisation is, is good for creating that kind of mental picture in your mind of, of breaking away um, the relationship with the imposter syndrome or your inner critic um, and um, and connecting with more positive. Um, so you might say, right, thank you, expert. Thanks for that warning sign that I need to maybe do a um, bit more um, revision. I'm now going to go into actually going for this and put myself out there. Oh, uh, that's so good. I love that. And, um, of course, we'll also link to the Mindology app, which I just downloaded this morning, and it is a visually beautiful, like you can tell you're a designer. <laughs> it's actually, just just while I'm talking about that, do you mind if we just get off topic for just a second? Yeah, sure. So you're also a jewellery designer. Did you find it difficult at first kind of going, well, who am I over here and who am I over here and how do I marry the two worlds of being a clinical hypnotherapist and a jewellery designer. Definitely. I was very self-conscious um, and I was like, oh, gosh, everyone will think this is so quirky. Why is she got doing jewellery and then now hypnotherapist? What? I was really <laughs> self-conscious of what everyone thought. And then I started to speak to a few people and they went, are you kidding? It's like, wow, you know, you've got another talent or are you doing something else it's so fascinating and once I sort of started to hear that I thought yeah right why do actually no one actually made the comment of I made it in my head so we make stories in our head often um there was no no one had actually said to me what 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 jeweler and but I had created the story in my head <clears throat> so I, I I just blew that story up and went nope this is my story and yeah, I have a jewelry brand and um, which I love and jewelry excites me, you know, diamonds still send, send tingles down my body. I love, I love jewelry. Um, and I love, and it's been part of my life. And when I sort of started to really connect and go like, this has been hypnotherapy has been part of my life for 20 years. My dad, I saw my dad, um, you know, get so much out of it this is my story. I don't care what anyone else thinks. So I just let go of it. And I stopped feeding that little, I don't know, weed of negativity in my mind. And, and I just, it's my thing now. Yeah. We worry what people think and that's a natural thing. So what letting go of that is, is, um, is, is liberating and powerful 
um, and creating your, you know, your story in your mind of what you want for yourself. And not limiting yourself to just being good at one thing. And, and really, ultimately, with all the work you're putting out into the world, you're creating beauty in everything that you do and um, making people happy because jewellery makes people happy and so does the, the outcome of um, your hypnotherapy sessions. Yeah. So it all has a common thread. This is true. That's true. Yeah, well, that's a lovely, lovely um, way of putting it. I want to... Um, talk to you about a blog post I read on your website this just fascinated me <laughs> Tell me about Elvis and the 1000 steps I hadn't heard that story before would you mind sharing that what all that is meaning is those thousand steps Elvis became Elvis so Elvis was not Elvis all the time through the day the performer Elvis used that technique as a, a mindset technique to take him from Elvis crap day, you know, he, I mean, he had a lot of health problems. He had a lot of um, whatever was going on in his mind, but he obviously used that in those steps. He became Elvis the performance to give everything to his audience, sing his best, be in the zone. And it's, it's a lot of similarity to, to what sports people will do, or maybe, you know, surgeons or musicians before their performance, they get themselves in the zone. And that could be any kind of technique to really get them to let go. They might visually see in their mind all the worries, just, you know, every step he took, he might, every little worry of whatever, just leaving him behind. And as, as he got closer and closer, he became the, you know, sort of hyping himself up. Muhammad Ali is, is famous for um, having mantras and these sort of, hacks, mindset hacks to get him into before the game. And I, I'm proposing that why can't you and I each day when I'm when I'm feeling low or just um, questioning myself or uh, I'm in the imposter syndrome experts in my year, why can't I use sort of simple physiological because also what Elvis is doing is physiologically changing himself. He could have done these, you know, incredible strides to go on stage and, you know, have that energy. Um, so I, I'm trying to propose that we we could all have our little mini um, Elvis steps. Yeah. For a presentation, for a job interview, a date. You know, when you need to rise to the occasion, it's, it's just a metaphor for, um, you know, getting your mind and body in the zone. So to recap, the um, the story was that his dressing room, I think, wherever he was, at any concert was exactly 1,000 steps away from the stage, um, which, you know, you can imagine them there with their measuring tape trying to get that exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> if because, it was a trailer, they could have done it. Yeah, because he became Elvis in those 1,000 steps. That's what, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and like, but I mean, I don't know exactly if Beyonce has it, something like that, but they will all have ways to get them into that high energy, high performance and um, let go of the day-to-day mundane doubts and worries and, and am I, you know, that hype themselves up. So, I mean, you don't necessarily need to hype yourself up for a, for a massive presentation, but it is, it is a it is an interesting concept of changing yourself and your mindset and that's a very physiological um, 
But he could have had a mantra. I mean, Muhammad Ali had a mantra of I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, and he would say it over and over and over. The words I am the greatest don't 100% resonate with me because, I don't know, it's not something, words I choose, but I did spend a day saying that over and over and I just found my posture would change and I was like, I'm the greatest. It was really (laughs) interesting. So, you know, physiologically, what are you saying to yourself day in, day out? Most of us are saying negative, self-doubting things. Um, and it's hard to have that energy all the time, but it, if you can create a little mindset visualization hack for yourself to, to get you in the zone, particularly when you you know you need you need energy and you need your confidence at, at its best. Yes, yes. So with um, the visualization techniques that you use with your clients, I know that you've spoken a bit about the science behind that and how our brain doesn't actually know the difference between reality and fantasy. Uh, would you mind sharing with us how that works? So what um, there's been a number of studies, and one, one um, study which is really simple to explain, it, it comes out of Harvard, um, and what they did is they had two groups. They had one group that played the piano every day, five days a week for two hours a day. So they physically, uh, fingers on the keyboard, playing um, the notes and then the second uh, group just simply imagined in their mind five days a week five, for five days two hours a day playing the notes so they they visualized in their mind their hands on the keys playing the notes and it was the same music um, for the two groups and then they recorded the brain activity of both groups and the brain activity of both groups was exactly the same which is showing us or giving us the indication that what our brain imagines and then what our brain actually experiences in real life, like what's happened, reality, is the same brain activity. So why sports people use visualisation is they're sort of setting um, like a blueprint through visualisation and self-hypnosis to see in their mind how they play the game, how they respond to the ball, um, how they they actually see themselves at the end of the game holding the tra- trophy, or they see themselves in the uniform on the on the on the field. Um, and surgeons will see in their mind the surgery going over, what they're doing. Musicians play play the music in their mind. So it's it's and and even simply visualizing something as an idea just sets this this your brain how do I fulfill that or how do I so if I asked you to visualize um eating um at a, in a cafe on the weekend a big slice of chocolate cake that's really easy to visualize <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> your brain will start to go which cafe yeah. what time what how do I need to get there and sort of starts filling in the dots. So I see visualisation as a way of kind of stimulating, um, well, a, a, you know, imagining in, in your mind what you want for yourself, but then also it sort of unlocks the process of, of what you want as well because it gets your brain going, yeah, well, okay, got to get to the cafe, what friend is there, and then all the dots are starting you know, you're building a, a, a journey to your outcome and say for your presentation or your 
sales pitch or you're, you're meeting Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, um, it starts to unlock in the, uh, the, 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 the steps, if you like, because also our brain doesn't know that it's, it's not reality. You have posted about this before, about how you very much believe that everything we need is within us. Is this is hypnotherapy a really good tool of, of just accessing that? I think it is very underrated and I'm very protective of hypnotherapy um, because when there's a lot of hypnotists, which are performers, um, and that's a performance on stage and that's often involves magician um, magic it's like any performance it's all set up and practiced and rehearsed so I'm very very protective that hypnotherapy is a very safe natural therapy that lets the individual um, often deal with stress like let go of uh, habitual thinking and uh, connect to more positive thoughts for themselves and, and move forward um, in their life. So, I, I mean, I see, I still see my hypnotherapist um, because I just love how it makes me feel after um, a session and I just, like we were saying earlier, I think self-development's a journey. It's, there's, you know, you're not fixed and cured or, um, you're, you know, it's, it's I just, it's a very resourceful um, tool and, um, a very calming and very forward-thinking therapy moves you forward in, in, in your life um, in a really positive way. Mm, I, um, I was saying to you before this uh, interview started that I'm super keen to work with you because I've, <laughs> I've never um, really tried this modality out and I'm so curious. So, yeah, I can't wait to – I'll have to maybe do another podcast um, episode where I report back oh, on how it was. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is most people get worried, oh, am I going to say or do things? No, it's you've already been in a hypnotic state watching your favourite show. So it's actually not new. Um, and it, it also some, some people, most people go into um, a light trance, which is like a light meditative, um, relaxed experience. Most people after say, wow, I feel like I had a nap or something. Like, what? wow, I just feel so energised or refreshed. Um, and it's kind of like unblocking mental crap. Um, I, 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 people also feel like, wow, okay, I feel, I feel positive and I feel like I'm, I'm going somewhere positive um, mm. uh, after a session. That must be a lovely thing to be able to give people too. Yeah, well, and I, want, I wanted the, to capture all that um, with the app. That was the purpose behind the app is sort of um, capture capture those things that most people would come to me about, self-belief or self-talk or um, holding on to stress and holding on to negativity, uh, just letting, letting it go. Um, uh, you know, hypnotherapy is really excellent for that. Yes, it is. Now we are getting to the end of our time together and there's normally some um, quick questions that I ask our guests at the end. If, if someone was to ask you what your go-to tip for confidence is, what would you give them? I know you've got a few, but what's, what's a go-to tip? I don't describe myself as an underconfident person, but I will definitely have um, neg- narratives or negative um, 
thoughts and not sort of pushing myself as far as I, I think I can go. I, I really think confidence is a big tip for me is if with confidence is if something hasn't worked out how I wanted to, how I wanted it. And I think, oh gosh, you know, um, maybe I didn't handle a meeting as well as I'd like to. I go back and I have the meeting again in my mind and I change the way I see myself actually. Okay, so I had a meeting, a Zoom meeting, and I thought I'd prepare, but they asked me these really interesting um, questions that I didn't, I hadn't prepared for. I didn't realise that that would become part of the the interview process for for um, for for our meeting. And I afterwards, I was really, oh gosh, you know, what did I do? And I was really hard on myself. And then I thought, okay, I can either dwell on this and and carry this for days or I'll go back in my mind and I went back in my mind and I no, I didn't sort of um, say the answers, have all the answers, but I just managed it better and I said, that's great questions, I'm going to come back to you on email on that rather than sounding unsure and unconfident. So I changed the way I behaved in my mind in the meeting and then I, I kind of rather than holding on to that bad vibe of, of the meeting and, and letting that eat away at my confidence and being then nervous about the next time I have a kind of um, inter- interaction. Um, so I've gone through an investment program for the, for the app of um, venture capital and it's a whole new world for me. And um, so rather than beat myself, I'm going no good at this. I changed the, the, the meeting in my mind so that next time I have a similar scenario, I'm more prepared and more confident. Oh, that's a beautiful tip. Not rehashing, that's really important, not rehashing the event in your mind, but modifying the way you feel and the way you react and behave so that that becomes the new memory in your mind rather than, oh, God, every time, you know, I have a, this kind of meeting, I, I, be, I react I behave this way and I fumble and and stumble and, and don't have the answers and don't sound confident. Yeah. So that's my big long-winded tip. I love that tip. Thank you so much for sharing that and also sharing that story too because that made that much more powerful. I'll always remember that now. Um, is there a book that you've read or an inspirational quote that's helped you on your way in your confidence journey? So back with my dad's friend, Ray, one of the books he gave me was um, by Dr. Joseph Murphy, and that was The Power of the Subconscious Mind. And I, it's missing the um, front page. I, I, I actually keep it in a Ziploc bag to protect it um, because it's, it's, I really treasure it. I come back to that book all the time and I just take inspiration. So he just, he just keeps going back to how so much is bubbles at an unconscious level for us. And, and um, when we talk about habits, habits are just shortcuts because, because our world is so, so there's so much stimulation for us. So um, right now I'm seeing trees, I'm hearing birds, you you know, there's so much um, stimuli coming into us. We, we create habits and, and, and just, like shortcut behavior, shortcuts to get through the world, to get through our day. Otherwise, we'd be overloaded if you had to work out everything for the first time. Um, so our, our mind and body creates habits, but what happens is a lot of them can be negative and we want to move towards positive habits. So I always go back to his book because he just he just really summarizes and 
and and he's got great stories of really inspirational stories of people who and how they've changed their um their uh, uh, unconscious um, thinking. Oh, that sounds amazing. I wonder if they, you can still get that in print anywhere, given you've got it in a Ziploc bag. Yeah, I'll not. take some photos um, of, 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 it, of, of it all. You can see how treasured it is. But I take it away on holidays with me and I'll read it. It just kind of it also reminds me um, back to when, um, you know, 20 years ago and my journey and I just find it really, I mean, this would be probably first published in the 1960s. Uh, so it's a really old, and it would have at the time been seen as r- quite out there and revolutionaries. And I find it really relevant still today. Mm. Uh, you know, positive affirmations and mantras are um, creating one for yourself. I say to myself, uh, you know, I'm calm and confident before a meeting. Just telling yourself what what you want for yourself is is just a really important tool um, to to use, and it's really simple. And writing that writing that out. What do you do for pure joy, something that has no outcome or goal attached to it? I love bushwalks and long walks. Um, when I was in the UK um, last year, we would always, every weekend, doing walks. So I really, really, I never thought I'd get into bushwalks at all. <laughs> I love bushwalks. I love comedy. Um, I'm watching um, Shit's Creek, whatever. Sorry, yes, I didn't play the so good. Yeah, so I love comedy. Um, and I love eating my, my husband's a really good cook. I love eating all his food. Ah, lucky you. You married well. <laughs> and what are you working on right now in your confidence journey to take you to where you next want to be in life? I am practicing um really seeing myself. I'm really honing in on um situations in the business world so I mentioned it, we're trying to um do, see, talking to venture capitalists and raising capital so that's a whole new world of uh, just terminology so I'm really practicing on mentally preparing for those things and 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 uh not down 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 playing myself and I think that's something women do a lot is sort of we can be gushy. Uh, we can, uh, Katrina. I've got to say your voice, and this because of your job. But you have a fabulous voice. But a lot, a lot of times, women we can have sing songy, sing songy. Doesn't you know? Mm. I don't know really what I'm talking about, and I go up. So really working on my voice, um, and really working on that. I may not know the answer because I'm talking to someone who has 20, 30 years of venture capitalist experience but I can give a really um, great informed um, answer mm. and not an apologetic answer which a lot of women we do oh I'm so sorry I don't know that and da, da, da. Um, so I'm working really on that. That's a fabulous answer Claire fabulous answer I loved that because I think a lot of women do that uh, you know, as you were saying those things, I thought, you know, sometimes I can be a bit gushy when I'm not feeling confident. Mm. Um, and I know I work with a lot of women who, um, as you say, the, uh, the the tendency is to inflect upwards. So yeah. it sounds more like a question rather than a statement. Yeah. So when you're unsure of yourself and you don't want to put like a definitive opinion out in the world, putting your voice up at the end of a sentence can take away from that um, 
you know, being so definite about something. And that's yeah. what a lot of women do. So, yeah, yeah I love it's because actually you're you. putting it out there as I'm questioning, as I'm answering. So, is that right? You know, yes. I, I, this is what's happening. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And also, even just, um, I, I think I really encourage for, for people as well to help with visualization um, and seeing them seeing how they what they want for themselves is role modeling so I, I was watching my husband talking to someone the, the other day and I knew he didn't know the answer and he was just cool calm said look I'm going to get back to you on that and it was sort of deep and in control so mirror you know watching what other and I'm not and men watch what men do um and and really confident people and see that they they not know not necessarily know all the answers or um they're not smarter than you they're not more talented but they've got this and it's a bit of a performance that's um also why yes. I like to talk about say um performers because they are in a it is learning to to master that skill or that confident song so you you confidently present or you confidently answer um questions in 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 different scenarios oh just fabulous i have so enjoyed our chat today claire it's really nice thank you and um thank you for all the insights you're sharing and if anyone wants to learn more i will have all of the links to your website your instagram and your beautiful app in the show notes so thank you once again thank you for having me katrina it's wonderful should we should we end on a deep low confident voice (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having me katrina Stay connected by following Claiming Your Confidence or me, Katrina Blowers, on Instagram. For more information on this or other episodes, head to katrinablowers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and make sure you share it with anyone you think would benefit from a confidence pick-me-up. Claiming Your Confidence is created and produced by me, Katrina Blowers. Audio thanks to Term 6 podcast productions. I hope you're having a great week. Thank you for listening to Claiming Your Confidence.